It turns out there are tools that can help kids and teenagers heal. Remember when we said our brains are wired for healing? They are. Our brains are designed to respond in predictable ways when we connect with others on a deep level and when we feel seen. In fact, the research shows that we aren't powerless at all. We aren't powerless at all. For instance, research on the neuroscience of attachment shows us that the brain can learn a new attachment pattern because of the process of neuroplasticity. The brain has the ability to rewire and reorganize itself. Another helpful discovery is that a secure attachment with an adult can not only help heal and rewire the brain from a past insecure attachment, but it can also help decrease the risk for despair and suicidal thoughts in adolescence. Whether you are a parent of a preschooler, elementary-aged kid, teenager, or young adult, you, you, you can begin habits now that will nurture emotionally healthy development and create resilience against despair when they are older. If you know anyone, anyone at all who is facing any level of despair, there are practical things you can do right now to intervene and begin the process of healing. These are tools that will help you make significant connections that lead to change. Heartlifters, I am so excited today to welcome Dr. Chinway Williams, co-author of the book, Seen, Healing Despair and Anxiety in Kids and Teens Through the Power of Connection. Dr. Chinway co-authored this book with Will Hutcherson, and I believe he'll be on our show at a later date, and I can't wait. So today, let's welcome Chinway. And let's find out how we can, in very highly practical ways, uh, not only increase the emotional health in our own lives, but then be an emotionally healthy presence in the lives of those with whom we live and move and have our be. Sometimes the story we tell ourselves is not really true. Sometimes the story others tell about us is not really true. Here on today's Heart Lift with Janelle, we are going to learn how to rewrite our story. So pick up your favorite pen and journal, grab a cup of something delicious, and start your heartlifting journey towards living a meaningful life. excited, Chen Wei, to have you here. Thank you for saying yes. Oh, of course, Janelle. Thank you so much to, uh, for having me. I always think that it's like fun to do podcasts, but it's always more enjoyable when I'm doing them with a fellow therapist. So I yay. Know, I know I could talk to you about a million things, but <laughs> I'm going to have to just be so focused, which oh, is so hard for me because <laughs> your book, your new book, Scene, I've already introduced that is uh, phenomenal. You co-wrote it with Will Hutcherson and uh, hopefully Will will be on the show as well. Uh, but you're preceding him. And so I just can't wait to hear what was behind the coming of this book. If you maybe would share that right off the get-go here. Yes. Um, how did scene number one, the title took my breath away. <laughs> it is absolutely what my whole mission in the seventh decade of my life is about helping parents understand secure attachment and understand faith and mental health integrated. So welcome. And if you would just tell us (laughs) how you brought this amazing two hour read to us. Absolutely. Thank you again for having me. Mm -hmm. So um, as your audience members already no, I'm a I'm a mental health therapist. First of all, I'm a mom. I'm a wife. Um, I four children, <laughs> four, three. Yeah, three. I have 
and an 18 year old. So I know a lot about teenagers just from personal experience. Um, and, uh, uh, professionally, I was a high school counselor for five years. Bless you. Bless you. (laughs) And prior to that time and following that time, I worked with families. So I actually always believe that there's not a whole lot you can do, and this is just me being transparent. Oh, I don't please be you, transparent. You, the, please. you can be the best expert in the world. You can mm-hmm. be the best helper in the world with all the amazing skills. But if you're working one-on-one with the child or the teenager without including the system, which is the parents, the grandparents, the adult yeah. caregivers, the coaches, the teachers, yeah. the neighbors, trainers, neighbors, oh, neighbors for sure. Yes. Ministry oh. leaders. I have, yes. had, you know, I can't tell you how many oh my times I've had youth pastors drop off teenagers at my office door, like help, help with the parents' oh. permission. But oh. that relationship is so beautiful and so critical in addition to the it relationships is. that kids have in the household. So all the people that encompass that child's life, the sphere of influence is so important. And that's one thing I learned as, as a school counselor is that we can do what we can do to make the connections in the therapy room. Yeah. And, and we can do really good work there, but yeah. we have to bring in the primary caregivers so they can mm-hmm. also feel equipped because they have a tremendous amount of influence on a child. Mm-hmm. And it's own oh. life. Yeah. So without so, a doubt. So we wrote the book scene because you know this all too well. There has been a um, staggering, in my opinion, it is rise. Yes. In children and teenagers who have been experiencing uh, not just depression, but high, high levels of anxiety. Anxiety is normal. We all experience mm-hmm. stress. But when it gets to the level that it's impacting your everyday functioning, yeah. that's that's a problem. And that's what we've been seeing in kids and teenagers. And of course, this is even prior to the pandemic. The pandemic has just made things um, much worse. Yeah. But even prior to the pandemic, when, when I was a school counselor, I was, you know, hearing stories of, of you know, teenagers who are conscientious and and mm-hmm. thoughtful and excellent students and just you know, wonderful teammates. They, you know, often play sports. Sure. High functioning. High Mm -hmm. functioning. High functioning. That is the word, high functioning. It is. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes they felt really, really gripped with anxiety. And so we know that the mental health, all the mental health stats show that children and teenagers and young adults are experiencing the highest rates of anxiety and depression out of any demographic. Yeah. And so it's sobering. This, this book was begging to be written, right? <laughs> it was. And I'm so happy that you said yes to that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so my uh, co-writer and, and dear friend now, Will Hutcherson, is a youth pastor out of out of uh, Florida. He's a parent himself. He's a next-gen pastor. So he mm-hmm. talks to teenagers um, nearly every day, sometimes across the country. He travels and does assemblies. So he's yes, with the- his Curate Hope. The non- I wanted, did want to mention Will's Curate Hope nonprofit because I spent a long time just looking. It, it's something that I just started a nonprofit too, but it just, it's in my heart. I'm like, yes, yes, yes. yes. So yes. yes, he's got, and that I would say is the blueprint. It's doing so well. And he just has a heart of gold. And yes, Curate Hope. Uh, was formed simply with the mission to reduce high suicide rates among teenagers. So that's unbelievable. The, that's the ugly thing that we never really want to mm-hmm. talk about, especially oh. in um, in church setting. We don't. Our, our our kids are struggling so much so mm-hmm. that um, many so many of them are considering taking their own lives. Which is yeah, so and they are many yeah. of them are yeah. or are. going into either uh, not to broaden the subject. Uh, but cutting is yes. seems to be on rise again. Uh, vaping, obviously, yes. just uh, lots of marijuana use. There's just yes. lots of numbing going on as well. 100%, which is a way to cope. And the word maladaptively, we know that in the mental health field, but that just means a negative way. Like coping is just coping is a way right. that we are able to deal with our life circumstances, mm-hmm. but coping can be positive, such as going on mm-hmm. a run or talking to a friend or 
setting proper boundaries. And then coping can also be over time really harmful, such as the, yeah. the ways that you mentioned that our teenagers use to be able to numb all of the intense emotions that they're experiencing. So, yeah, yes. just hyper, hyper arousal, right? Just hyper yes. craziness. Yeah, 100%. Not to get you off topic about the book here for a second, though, Chinway, I really did want to pick your brain a little bit about um, social media. Yeah. And I have, I have, you know, when, when you talk about you can't, you have to heal a system. Mm -hmm. That is where my work has taken me in the last uh, 12 years since getting my master's in, in my 50s. That's you awesome. know, I love um, it. I, I love whoa. it. We need you, Janelle. Congratulations and thank you. But, um, you know, this onset, you know, I feel sometimes like I'm in my eighties or nineties when I'm talking, I didn't raise my children with social media. It was just, Facebook was just happening when my firstborn who's now 35 was going off to college. Yes. And so, you know, here we now live under these social goggles, right? I am just really wanted to hear your opinion because I have so many, I work in family systems. I can't, just see one person in a family. I have found out that after, you know, 12 years of seeing just one person, it's like, no, 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 no. I am a family system girl. We got to do it. Now I see grandparents, aunts, uncles, cousins, you know, and just try to heal family system, which is really difficult, but it's yes. very effective. Yes. But I wonder, you know, I, I am, they're always saying, where is this coming from? Why is this happening? Why is my daughter cutting herself? Why? And <clears throat> I see a mm -hmm. strong influence from TikTok, particularly not to knock a social media, not to knock anything. I love social media. I do it. I, I think it has a great power, but is it just this increased influx of information <clears throat> constant? What is your heart on that? 100%. 100%. Okay. So, I'm glad to know I'm not <laughs> leading people astray. <laughs> yes. So let me lead with this. It's it's a complicated set of mm. factors. Behavioral scientists and researchers and clinicians are still trying to sort of wrap our heads around what came first, what has the yeah. most influence. But we know that all of these things that are introduced to our young people play a role. And so let me sit before we jump into social media, which I'm so yeah. glad you brought up. Okay. You know, one of the factors pre-pandemic that impacted high levels of anxiety and despair um, are high academic expectations oh, yes. <clears throat> and pressures Please. to succeed. Please but social to media, social media plays mm. a role in that as well, because what is the definition of success? Well, it depends on the child that you talk to and it depends on their family and what they mm -hmm. what they define and what they determine to be mm -hmm. successful, be it, you know, the way that you look for a lot of young girls, appearance is yeah. a big deal. And that's part of development. That's not abnormal. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But what has been introduced here lately is the images that are constantly mm -hmm. streaming on yeah. various forms of media, Instagram, you know, kids yeah. aren't using Facebook as much, but prior, when I was a high school counselor, they were. Yes. And TikTok especially. Yeah. And there's this pressure to be, it used to be called the Justin Bieber effect years ago. Uh-huh. Yes. Um, he was discovered for those of you who I'm sure everybody knows Justin Bieber, but for <laughs> those of you who don't, who don't know how he got on the world stage, he started doing YouTube videos. Oh, yes. Right? And he was right. discovered because he's so uber talented. He could play yes. instruments. He, could sing. he was yes. super cute. Hello. Super cute. Yes. <laughs> and so what happened around that time with mm. the advent of um, American Idol and now The yes. Voice, kids and teenagers are like, wow, if I put myself out mm -hmm. there, I could possibly be famous. Be a famous star. Yes. And for Starlight. A lot, and, and then the Kardashians, for that, the Hiltons, kids are influenced by influencers, right? Oh, 1000%. But the problem is not just now, kids. Not just kids. Hello. Thank you. <laughs> We're talking right? about kids today. <laughs> right. Don't get me started on the glamour magazine. I'll keep, keep the... you right here. <laughs> exactly. We're all influenced. That's why mm -hmm. marketing is mm -hmm. a, it's a big budget for marketing and promotion, right? And TV ads. Yeah. But kids are, you know, at 
kids and teens are at particular developmental stages where that influence is so heightened. Yeah. And with, with the advent of social media, we're just super, not just super, we're uber connected. We are. And, and for teens, especially, they compare themselves. Oh, yeah. Mm. They compare themselves to their peers, which isn't different. It's always been that way since the start mm. of history. But again, with that pressure to keep mm. up, that pressure to be successful, that pressure to look mm. a certain mm. way, that yeah. pressure to have so many likes. So you and I use social media. That's the way that mm -hmm. we get information about mental health out there to the world, right? It is very true, without it's, a doubt. It's so helpful. But if I get 30 likes versus 13 Mm -hmm. I'm putting my phone down and cooking dinner. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I got things to do. I'm getting I got things to do. That laundry ain't going to do itself. I got to sweep the floor <laughs> or help somebody with their depression. <laughs> sweep <laughs> like, the floor or help somebody. That's, or have somebody. Boy, that is life for us. Or I've got to schedule it. But with COVID, it's been me, right? <laughs> yes, that really is very telling. Hmm, I'm so going to go cook a, a meal or I'm going to go help this family system through a right? trauma. I'm sorry. <laughs> Hello. I'll focus. <laughs> you said it. No, it's, <laughs> it's, but it's, it's being realistic, you know, mm -hmm. and for, and, and yeah, so we have other things that are vying for our attention. Yes, but they that don't. are important. And mm -hmm. our kids, their focus is those, those peer connections, right? Right. And so they do measure their self-worth by what they mm -hmm. post and how many people view it and how many people like it. And it's about instant validation. And I think that's the problem with social media. The validation <laughs> part. Yes. Yes. I just had Pastor Rob Singleton on in his book, Overliked, which mm -hmm. I, it was really a good discussion from a pastoral perspective. So I love having the therapist and the mom <laughs> and the school counselor perspective here with you. So mm -hmm. what on earth? I mean, I, this book scene, I'm telling you, you, mm -hmm. you're right. It's a two hour read. Um, none of my books are. So I love being, I love saying that you can, this is a two hour read parents, caregivers, coaches, pastors, uh, particularly, man, I am really pounding the table for pastors and pastoral staffs to integrate faith and mental health. But, um, something in the book that you all talk about that I think is the affect perhaps mm -hmm. of all this, uh, social media intake, comparison, all of those things, the mm -hmm. affect of it is despair. Correct. It's in your title. And I think Chen Wei, that's what got me because there's a million thousand resources on anxiety and depression and not a million on suicide, but this word despair mm -hmm. is really what I want to bring to the table mm -hmm. today. If you yes. would help us understand, because I see it as a therapist. Yes. I don't think parents, mm -hmm. caregivers, whatever are really recognizing or even understanding what this problem of despair is. If you could yeah, just help us. Thank you for that. And I want to highlight that the reason Will and I chose to focus on the word despair mm -hmm. rather than the word depression yes. is in a lot of ways based on our previous discussion. We are so connected. Mm -hmm. Everyone, not just kids and teenagers, are going to the internet to self-diagnose. They are yes. they're listening to their peers, maybe even their parents talk about, I am so depressed or I have mm -hmm. this trauma. And those are words, as you and I know, that are very clinical. There's a they very are. specific set of criteria that right. one has to meet in order to be diagnosed with depression or, or trauma. But our, 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 our kids, and I think yeah. in a lot of ways, our society uses the terminology very loosely. So we didn't want to focus on depression per se. Mm -hmm. Despair, quite mm -hmm. simply, is a state of being. You actually don't have to be diagnosed with depression or mm -hmm. even meet, you know, half of the criteria for depression to have despair. We Many of us have experienced mm. a level of despair. And here's mm. the simple definition I want to leave with your audience. Good. Despair is simply the absence of hope. Oh, my goodness gracious. Yes. The complete <sighs> loss or absence of hope. That is the very best definition that I can offer. Yes, I can go through mm. lots of symptoms. Mm -hmm. But what I want to offer your listeners now is just remembrance. Like, have you ever had a loss of a family member, mm -hmm. of a pet, 
a separation from a friend, a loved one, a, the loss of an ideal. Think about what we've yes. experienced in the last two years. We've lost loved ones. We've lost a sense of freedom, which we're hearing a lot about, right? People are really oh, upset yes. with that. Oh, right? yes. For the first time in our generation, probably um, a real true, we think, loss of freedom, right? Loss of freedom, which, mm-hmm. right, other people, globally, people experience that. Yes, like, they do. Yes, but in America, that feels so scary to us. It does. And what I've also seen as a therapist, and I know you have as well, is a loss of hope. And mm-hmm. in that moment, and we talk a lot about, about it in the book, some philosopher calls it the, the dark night of the soul. Yeah. There's a, mm-hmm. there's a, there's a point of de- desperation. There's a point mm-hmm. of, um, mm-hmm. of, of hopelessness mm-hmm. and helplessness. And then this is the piece that I want to add disconnection. There it is. Yeah. So again, it's not about a disconnection from self, you know, that's, it's like a, a disembodiment. It's like, yes, I don't feel anything. Anything. That's what I hear a lot of. I don't, especially from the teens, you know, I just don't feel anything. Yes. And can you imagine just how scary that is? Well, I can actually. Yeah. Because you've, you've you've experienced that. Yeah. Guess what? I have too. So I'm sure not to, you know, we can go real deep in the waters, but I just Mm -hmm. want to share with your, with your audience, those of you who have had young children that depended on you. Mm-hmm. Um, this may resonate. And for those of you who haven't this, haven't had this experience, you might be able to imagine what this is like, but mm-hmm. working in the trauma world, I have had mothers say to mm-hmm. me, I have been in bed listening to my child cry in the mm-hmm. next room, but filled with such utter despair, mm-hmm. I couldn't even get out of bed Yes. To check on my child. And some of us can't even imagine that, right? No yeah. matter what we're right. experiencing, no matter what we're doing. Nobody we're would like, do that. No, I'm going to jump out of that bed and feed my child or change my child's diaper or comfort my yes. child. And, and by the way, the mothers fed their, their kids. But if they knew that the kids were fed and changed mm-hmm. and the kid just wanted comfort or attention right. in their depression or despair or postpartum or whatever you want to mm-hmm. call it, they weren't able to meet that need because they Isolation. were disconnected from themselves. Yes, exactly. And, and, and how do you get there? Them. Yeah, yeah. Like how how does that happen outside of we're not talking about postpartum depression here. We're just talking about normal life. And I think Chin Wei, if I'm accurate, women of faith would never admit that. No. They would never go to their prayer groups or go to uh, get help because there would be, and, and maybe this is, I, I hope and pray this is in transformative uh, experiences happening where you can say that without being shamed or being scriptured or being, you know, and, and I love, this is what I love and seeing too, both you and Will tell real true stories of how you've messed up, you know, and I love Will's story about Tyler. So you guys just have to get the book, download it on Kindle. I did it this morning again, you know, and I have the hard copy, but I want it on Kindle. Um, you know, just of the mistakes that we make. Yes. Well-intentioned. Well, I know. (laughs) Is it well-meaning or is it just mean? I've been trying to answer that question for a long time. Depends on the situation. Depends on the situation. But, you know, well-intentioned, we just don't know what to do. Like the the non-therapist, the non-mental health trained or whatever, they they, parents don't know what to do. They only know what they know, but that's why you're here. And that's why we're doing this to increase and empower everyone to be able to take hold of their mental and emotional health so that they can be spiritually healthy. Oh, 100%. And what's been so, thank you. That was so beautifully stated, Janelle. And I mm. think we have to go there because you're right. We have to. The moms in the, in, in the moms groups that I've yeah. been a part of over mm-hmm. the years in ministry groups, we don't talk enough about this. And what's been beautiful to see, especially in 2020, when we were kind of locked down, mm-hmm. 
um, is that the church, the global church, the local church, we're, we are having more conversations about we are. mental health awareness as well yes. as treatment. Yes. Um, it's still not enough because what mm-hmm. I find even behind closed doors and just self-disclosure, not self-disclosure, but mm-hmm. I talk about this quite a bit, actually. Um, my practice consists of primary, primarily Christians and a mm-hmm. lot of Christians in leadership. Okay. I'm so happy. That makes my heart so happy. Yes. And I, and I, and I, and I, and I thank God every day for that Mm. honor and privilege. And I'm like, okay, I have no idea, Lord. All right. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, activate. activate, Activate. I love that. Yes. Because here's the truth. They know about more about scripture than I do. Without a doubt. Because <laughs> they went to seminary, they yep. know the word, and yet they're still feeling this. So why is that? And I think part of the reason every situation is unique mm-hmm. is that there still lies a heavy, heavy stigma among the Christian community mm-hmm. about mental health. There's I, still I lies. There's there's a, there's some skepticism. I don't think mm-hmm. many pastors fully understand it. They're, therefore, they don't feel very equipped. And that's another reason right. we wrote this book, because yes. our young people need us to have these conversations. Oh, you know, goodness. Simplest, simplest ways to help. Oh, my goodness. And you, you say it so beautifully uh, in the book. You write, relational connection can help the brain repair itself. Yes. It takes intentional steps in love and empathy. And Chen Wei, I cannot let you go. I wrote this question in red, if you can see it. I was like, <laughs> believe, like what? <clears throat> you guys write so much. And I believe this is the right time to bring this into the conversation about what does empathy, mm-hmm. what does empathy have to do with mm-hmm. this subject matter? You write a lot mm-hmm. about empathy in this two hour read scene. I love saying that. What is it? What is it? Like, I I don't, Mm -hmm. I've talked about it here. Mm -hmm. Uh, We talk about it in our online community, but Mm -hmm. I wanted to really ask you, why was that important? Yes. What the heck does that have to do? And and how, Mm -hmm. how do we get that? as parents and caregivers and teachers and pastors and staffs? Mm -hmm. Yeah, such a good question. And empathy is more than just being a positive person. Mm -hmm. Um, Expressing or demonstrating empathy is much more than being a kind person. Mm -hmm. So empathy, first of all, God is so great and amazing and in his profound wisdom, all knowingness created our brains, wired our brains for relationship. And so when there's a disconnection between us and other people, Mm -hmm. us and ourselves, God has given us empathy, this Mm -hmm. ability to be able to, and this is really important, Janelle, when people ask, how do, how do I do this? How do I do this? Mm -hmm. This ability to not just put yourself in someone else's shoes, Mm -hmm. you have to know what it's like to walk Mm. as them in their shoes. Yes. Do you see the difference? Beautiful. Say it again, would you please, like with your brilliance. Yes. Yes. So empathy is not being able to see a situation like how you would handle it. It's not how you would walk in their shoes. It's understanding how they are walking in their shoes. And That's to it. Be, and to be able to do that, that requires a few things. And we break Tell down us. the steps. Yeah. But the, the first thing is to show up. The first <laughs> thing is just to be present. Yeah. It's just to be present and to say, I'm here. And in the busyness, and you talk a lot about this, Janelle, um, let me give you a shout out. Oh, I love your so entire mission. Aww. Of course, I'm going to prepare for this, you know, for our conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went through, I didn't listen to all of the, the messages in its entirety. Of course what not. I loved about your entire mission is that you focus on the hurriedness mm-hmm. of our society mm-hmm. and how to live an unhurried life. Yikes. And so if my, if it's a challenge, man. <laughs> It is a challenge. I've been challenged with it since the day I was born, probably. I don't know. Which is why it's your mission. It is. Because I do know like what you're saying. I just want to, I think it links very much with the fact that we can't put ourselves in someone else's shoes because we have 
too much to do, or we have too much to accomplish. And we're doing that because we need validation because we don't mm-hmm. have secure attachment and healthy identity is so layered, yes. Yes. but that is brilliant to be able to say, you know, it's not how I would walk in those shoes. Chinway, I have been trying to find a way to explain (laughs) this. And you have just given me the greatest gift of all. Start right here at the beginning of the year to be able to, you know, even put a pair of the child's shoes out, you know, in a, in a visual lesson. Oh, huge. They put those, you can't number one, because it's not your size, but I mean, Look at that. Yes. We're so quick. Yes. This is what I notice in family systems therapy. When I have the whole family together, we're so quick to just Mm -hmm. shout out what we would do. Mm -hmm. Or even as a believer, shout out what Jesus would do. Yep. Um, But it's like to take that moment of pause. Mm -hmm. And this is how you grow empathy. Mm -hmm. You start to, I think, empathy and active listening go together. Absolutely. And, and listening between the lines so that you yeah. as the parent, caregiver, teacher, et cetera, mm-hmm. can go, this is not about me. Yes. <laughs> this is not. Yeah. I don't know how many times I said that over, yeah. <laughs> over the holidays with just the whole fam, you know, yeah. like, it's- wait a minute. This isn't about me. So just don't start shouting out some mm-hmm, mm-hmm. W- external wisdom that you think is brilliant. Mm-hmm. Shut up. Sorry. Mm-hmm, I know that's mm-hmm. not, I told my kids mm-hmm. never say that. Mm-hmm. Your thoughts. You're 100% spot on. And and that is actually, it seems easy to, to <sighs> say show up and pause and put the phone down. Um, but Will and I make the point that these things are, are, are simple and powerful, but they're not always easy because we mm-hmm. aren't, we, we, we want to, you know, walk and live, um, like Jesus, but we are Jesus, right? Yeah. That's but we're fixers we for, you know, yes. we're fixers. I think even on the level, I'm not, you know, I'm not a grandparent yet, but I believe, you know, that I, you know, it's so easy just to go, well, you know, that's not how it was in my day. And this is yes. that and the other, but it's yes. like, talk to me. Yes. Let me know. Tell how me you see this situation. Right. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <gasps> and what's interesting, Janelle, is that I, you know, tell me if you've, if you've noticed this too, in your conversations with people, um, it's just a human thing. Like when we talk to our young kids, so I have a six-year-old and I have a 10-year-old. If I'm honest, my 10-year-old who's on the autism spectrum, That's I give right. a lot of leeway. Like I understand that there are limitations. He, God has brought him so far. We are uh-huh. so grateful to what God uh-huh. is doing to, to this day. He's speaking more. Oh, um, wow. And there's still some limitations. And so my husband and I, you know, when things happen, we're like, okay, well, mm-hmm. you know, we understand he has a disability. He has a limitation. Now my yes. six-year-old, now he knows better. <laughs> Your name is Noah. I need you to live up to Noah, uh, the leadership of Noah, right? But he's six, right? So what is it? He's, but he's incredibly smart. He's loving. He's patient, right? And then there are moments when he has meltdowns. So what is it about us that we as parents and grandparents and caregivers look at a six and an eight and a 10 year old, and we expect them to regulate their emotions like this. Um, well, to even say, regulate your emotions. I think that's what we mean. We're so inept, you know, as, as parents care all, we just don't talk about how to do that. The emotional intelligence teaching, Ah, you know, it's happening more and more. Like you said, Will's doing things. You're doing things. We're all trying to do our part. Yeah. You're doing things. We are trying the emotional intelligence of all human beings. Um, So what do we do? I want to value your time, Chinway. I, oh my gosh, I just pray that I can have you back here to just- (laughs) I would love to be back. I'd love to meet in person Oh, please. Heartlifters, let's take a moment here. Let's lean in. Because the subject matter that Dr. Chinway and I are talking about emotional intelligence, emotional health- Faith and mental health integrated is so near and dear to our hearts here in this community that perhaps you're new to the community. 
I want to invite you to join us over on our private Facebook group. And I understand many of you are not on Facebook. Stay tuned. I'm trying to find us a new place where we can all gather and collectively grow stronger every single day of this brand new year. Dr. Chinwei is inviting us here today to grow as emotionally healthy people, humans, parents, caregivers, coaches, spiritual leaders, pastors, staff members at church. Oh my goodness, this is the year. I'm pounding the table. Yes, I am. You know that I do. But I want you in 2022 to become your strongest, most emotionally healthy person. And I have that resource for you, Stronger Every Day, Nine Tools for an Emotionally Healthy You. This book is loaded with nine strategically chosen mental and emotional health tools that when you possess them and you practice them, you will indeed become a stronger, healthier, emotionally and relationally, spiritually, mentally person. It isn't easy. Dr. Chinway has said that several times. None of this is easy, but it is empowering and it's necessary and it's vital if we want to leave a legacy behind us that speaks of emotional, mental, spiritual, relational health. So be sure to hop over to JanelleRairdon.com. Keep an eye out for brand new courses that are being created as I speak that will be available to you at a very friendly, reasonable price so that you can grow stronger every day this year. Practical tips. The book is full of them. So I I just will say you must get seen, parents. This is 2022 Mm. is a year to raise your emotional intelligence and your own emotional health. Because Mm -hmm. as you say in the book, example is everything. Yes. What I say all the time. Mm -hmm. Lead by example. Mm -hmm. So when, when your children see you growing emotionally and becoming more emotionally healthy, it's going to have huge dividends Mm -hmm. on your family legacy. But a couple things We've talked about how to increase our empathy. That would be to yeah. step back, put down our phones, yes. um, detach in the right ways from all the hyperconnection, anything else just today in a moment of like those people that who might be in despair. Yeah. Yes. Who might not be able to get out of bed. Mm. Um, this is a layered deep question. <laughs> And I usually hate this question, so I can't believe I'm asking you. <laughs> I answer yeah. this in five seconds. But yeah. just, you know, offer yeah. some level of hope for this despair. Yeah, absolutely. So this is our sort of like tagline. And then I'm going to go a little bit into what you just said. Our tagline is this, for any child or teenager that you're caring for who is exhibiting signs of distress, mm-hmm. just that word distress, it could be anxiety, can be despair. It can be dis-ease, discomfort. Yeah, dis-ease. Know, know that God has given you the tools mm. to help with their healing. It's not that we have, we're going to heal anything. Jesus heals, right? Mm-hmm. But we are influencers and we've been we given are. the tools to help encourage the brain towards healing. So this is mm-hmm. our tagline. When we show up as caregivers, our kids feel loved. Okay? Oh, when we see them, we, which mm-hmm. everything requires the pause, everything yes. requires putting this down, slowing down, away, slowing down, being, making sure that you're undistracted in the car is a beautiful time mm-hmm. walking mm-hmm. with boys. So you're yes. next to them as opposed to across. Yes. I have seen wonderful things happen mm-hmm. as a school counselor walking around the track. Oh, with my guys. I love that. They open up so much freely, Relaxed. so much more freely. They're relaxed, they're comfortable. Mm-hmm. And then this motion, Janelle, which you know from neurobiology, yeah. helps to calm the brain. It does. Walking. Brings that so sympathetic get, nervous, yeah. Get outside, go fishing, figure out what it is mm-hmm. that your kid or the child that you're leading enjoys 
do those things. A lot of times we want to do the things that make us feel comfortable. I've got, I'm not even that old, but I got old knees. So when my six-year-old's like, vroom, let's do the car thing. I'm like, Jesus, do I have to? Do I have to? And then I put down the, I'm looking at it right now, my pillow on, uh, under my knees because mm. that's what my child needs me. That's what helps him to feel seen. So I show Same. up mm-hmm. and then I'm doing the things that he wants to do. And for your mm-hmm. daughter, that might look the same or different mm-hmm. when we listen. Mm-hmm. So listen uninterrupted without interrupting, listen that's without it. judgment, that's listen it. without, you said this a few minutes ago, Janelle, not thinking back to the way that you were raised or the mm-hmm. way things have always been done, yeah. but how they're experiencing this new, crazy, mm-hmm. um, hectic, beautiful, in some cases, scary and a lot mm-hmm. of cases world, especially through social media. Mm-hmm. Um, so we may need to pick up the TikTok, not do the mm-hmm. TikTok. If That's exactly right. Be informed. Learn. Know what That's it is. Exactly. And do not have your head in the sand. Thank you. Know mm-hmm. what your child is doing. Don't be afraid of it. Don't be afraid. And, and the, the magical questions with technology, they say, mm-hmm. is to say, teach me that. Yeah. Kids are like, yes. Yes, I know. <laughs> so, can, so are we able to be students as we are teachers? Mm-hmm. as parents, Instead right? of fear mongers. You know, I just see that a lot, I guess. Yeah. And um, what I tell me, please affirm me or correct me. But I feel like it does start with being unhurried. Uh, it does start with making sure please that you eat just at least one meal together, um, or have some form of familial family connection, not just running out the door to all of that. That's an old conversation, but it's, it's so relevant. Extremely. Um, It's so relevant. Yes. But also just like you just said, I want to leave with this. Mm -hmm. Tell me what you're thinking. Like, Mm -hmm. Help the six-year-old, the eight-year-old, the three-year-old, the 20-year-old, the 35-year-old, help them go, well, listen, I know what I think, but I need you to tell me what you're thinking. That's it. So today you saw this on TikTok. You heard this in school. You saw this relationship. You saw this happening. You saw this on the Simpsons. Yesterday I had a family system situation and I was like, oh, please tell me that didn't really happen. And they're like, oh, it really did. And I'm like, okay, taking my head out of the sand, you know? And I'm like, so sit those three boys down and go, what was that about? Mm-hmm. Let's talk about that. Yeah. Not just cut the TV off and say no more Simpsons. Yeah. That's, That's just fair. my feeling, like making it safe where they're yes. seen, yes. where they have a voice, yes. where they're heard and where you can have a family discussion about these things that are going on. Yes. And say, I'm here if you have any questions. I'm here if you have any questions and you're spot on. And I would just only add one more thing. Good. How did that make you feel? Yes. How did that make you feel? And if you have a teenager, you're often going to get, I don't know. They know because they tell me behind closed doors in the therapy room. But by you asking over and over again, it's always consistency Mm -hmm. over time when it comes to raising kids. It's them knowing that you actually care and that their feelings matter, but that can't be a one-off thing. So that's where we do encourage parents. You're going to fail. You're going to make mistakes. I do it all the time, even with all of the knowledge, right? Because I'm human. I get frustrated. I'm like, just do what I say. Exactly. The first time I say it. Depending on what I have going on and the Mm -hmm. level of, you know, um, stress stress and distress in your life. That yeah. I'm under or that my clients are under, right? That's, oh, yes. a full eight clients, it's, I'm going to be a different mommy at the end of the day. You are. I don't um, know so how you're doing this, <laughs> but I would be praying. <laughs> Thank you. I love you. So offer yourself grace. Mistakes mm-hmm. are going to be happy. Mistakes are going to happen, but keep showing up. Keep showing up. Feel? I would feel this way. What about you? Well, I don't know, mom. The younger they are, they're going to pick mm-hmm. up on my kids are using feeling words because I started pretty early, but it's never too late. It's never oh, no. too late. Yeah. And today's and then, the day. Today's the day. And then um, I, the last two that I want to mention, I think it's so important is when we speak life. So there is a mm. place to say that to them that in your despair, in your despair, where you can't see past that dark tunnel and you can't imagine how God is going to bring anything good out of this. God is still good. And God is still 
our redeemer. So there's always a place for the truth. So I never want to lose sight of that. That's right. It's both, right? It's the spiritual tools and and some of the neurobiological clinical tools that we've Mm -hmm. been learning and studying. Oh, yeah. And then when we speak life, they feel worthy. They do. And then finally, um, to all of your listeners, when we help them to develop grit, which is another word for resilience. Oh, that is a whole chapter building grit. <laughs> I love that word grit, man. I'm a girl yes. raised in the South. So it's like. Yes. <laughs> Heartlifters, here we are at teaching moment number two. This conversation is filled with so many teaching moments. So I had to pick and choose selectively because I wanna honor your time and I want this podcast to be efficient and effective for you as you move through your days. And so Dr. Chinway talks about building grit in her book, Scene, co-authored with Will Hutcherson. And she writes on page 79 on my Kindle, meet Imani and Dana. She writes, I know this is a cliche, but as a junior counselor, I truly learned a great deal from my students than I could ever have taught them. When I reflect on that time and the lessons I learned, two student athletes immediately come to mind. Let's call one Amani and the other Dana. They each showed up in the counseling suite with a similar look of tearful shock mixed with devastation. Uh, my note, just remembering that Chinway was a both a high school and college counselor. She continues, neither of them made the girls' basketball team after playing varsity the year before. The team had recruited several talented student athletes, and tryouts for that year were exponentially more competitive than in previous years. This news was shattering to both girls who played different positions but were equally talented in their own right. Both expressed disappointment, exclusion, and anxiety about their future in basketball. After two weeks of counseling, I noticed a contrast in each girl's disposition and behavior. While still disappointed, Amani felt empowered and was determined to work hard during the year and try out the following season. Dana, however, decided that she wasn't cut out for basketball. Dana, a lifelong athlete, did not play any sport for the remainder of high school and later battled serious self-esteem issues. Amani made the varsity team the following year and ultimately secured an athletic scholarship to a Division I college. I grew increasingly fascinated, she writes, by their stories. Both had endured the same setback and both perceived the experience as a failure. But each student responded in completely opposite ways. I often wondered, What led Amani to persevere and bounce back from adversity while Dana seemed to give up? Similar questions emerged in my work with other students. How is it that kids who grew up in difficult or sometimes traumatic life conditions, neglect, abuse, and abandonment, appear not just to survive but thrive? often academically exceeding kids who came from the most affluent and well-connected families in the city. 30 years of collective scientific research combined with my years of clinical work has provided the answer to those questions. I invite you, Heartlifter, to sit up and lean forward for the answer. Resilience. We also like to refer to it as GRIT, G-R-I-T. Angela Duckworth, the nation's leading expert on GRIT, did a fantastic job of defining GRIT through years of research. GRIT is passion and sustained persistence applied toward long-term achievement. I repeat, GRIT is passion and sustained persistence applied toward long-term achievement. What makes grit particularly fascinating is that youth who have grit feel empowered to keep going and going and going with little preoccupation with or concern for rewards or personal recognition along the way. That makes me take some pause. 
Grit is a combination of resilience, ambition, and self-control in the pursuit of a goal that can take months or even decades to achieve. Similar to resilience, grit involves adapting to or bouncing back from adversity, which is the ability to positively adjust under extremely challenging life conditions, such as the loss of a loved one, financial strain or poverty, or a serious health issue or illness. We'll conclude with her words here. The simple fact is that no matter who you are or where you come from, bad things will happen. The Apostle John states, in this world, we will have trouble, John 16, verse 33. We've all experienced challenges and adversity, either firsthand or indirectly. Knowing that adversity will always be part of your kids' lives and teaching them how to respond by embracing, not resisting, the lessons discovered as they maneuver through adversity are two key components to battling despair grit. That capacity, that passion, and that sustained persistence apply towards long-term achievement. May these words, Heartlifters, infuse grit into your soul as you make your way through this brand new year where times are hard, difficult things are happening, the news, so much around us is unsettling. So may God give you grit and give you more understanding as this conversation continues. Folded into that is helping them to uh, foster it, fostering in your child a growth mindset. That's yes. still something that um, mm-hmm. it's so big for those of you who aren't aware of it. Please go look it up. It's so Oh yeah. Important. We talk a lot about growth mindsets here, so we'll talk oh. a lot more. So your audience is like so well-informed. Yeah, we hope so. Resilience. Yeah. So what that happens when we're not helicoptering as Mm -hmm. much, when we are not the coach, but the Mm -hmm. cheerleader is that they then feel empowered, which is what at the end of the day, that's why Mm -hmm. we we do this. That's why we hit them with the word. It's like, you know it, go do it. Yes. But we have to, we have to really use, follow these steps so they Mm -hmm. can feel heard and connected, um, connected with, and that's the way that we connect with them. And then eye Mm -hmm. contact is the main thing throughout whatever it is that you're saying. All those nonverbals. Yeah. Young children, your young children, to your adult child, to your mm-hmm. spouse, yeah. everyone wants to be seen. So look at yeah. them, look at them. So eye contact actually does something from a neurobiological perspective. That's that beam gleam. Yeah. 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 You got it. That beam gleam. I love it. I just had a few over the holidays with my children over the, across the room where you just connect and you have that look and it's like, oh, that's it. Chinway, you're remarkable. You're so amazing and wonderful. Thank you so much for giving of your time when you have kiddos at home and you have a million things going on. May you be richly, deeply blessed this year beyond your wildest imagination with deep, a deep sense of meaning and purpose in what you're doing in your home and outside of your home. Oh, likewise. Many blessings. Thank you. Many blessings to you. Hope to connect in person. Oh, I hope so. That would be amazing. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks for listening today. It was great having you here. For even more great content and resources, please join the Stronger Everyday online community at JanelleRairdon.com. Always remember, you, my friend, have value, worth, and dignity. 